and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. I'd like to thank American Airlines for sponsoring today's episode. At American, diversity and inclusion are appreciated and celebrated. American values each employee's unique perspectives and provides ample opportunities for engagement in diversity of thought. Whether you're ready or not, Gen Z is coming. Defined as the generation of people born between 1996 and 2010, these individuals were born after the internet went mainstream and many came of age in the shadow of the 2008 recession. These and numerous other influences have shaped members of Gen Z in ways that make them distinct from their older counterparts. And as they begin to enter the workforce, meeting planners will need to know how to ensure their events are taking these distinctions into account. To help understand this up-and-coming generation and how they may approach conferences and conventions differently than those who came before them, we spoke with David and Jonas Stillman. David, a longtime researcher and expert on generational marketing, teamed up with his son Jonah, a member of Gen Z himself, to found Gen Z Guru. The two speak on the topic of how to connect to Gen Z employees and customers and are the authors of Gen Z at Work. My dad has been studying, my dad David has been studying generations for nearly um, 25 years and then I am now 20 years old and in my sophomore year of high school, I noticed that no one was really talking about my generation Gen Z, so knowing my dad was an expert, I said, what if we tried to help people understand my generation? And over the last course of the last four and a half years now, we have developed Gen Z Guru as a full service Gen Z agency helping brands in every industry better understand how to connect with really the Gen Z employee, the Gen Z customer, the Gen Z student, voter, donor, all the above. And we're, we're really pride ourselves on providing the latest cutting edge data as it relates to Gen Z. And the advantage that we have had is we never look at Gen Z or any of the generations for that matter in a vacuum. So it's great that we have all this data and knowledge and insights into Gen Z, but it's not as relevant unless you know what that means for millennials, Xers, and boomers. And I think that is part of the magic that we bring to our clients. What's different about Gen Z as they're just starting to come out of college or starting to, to join the workforce? What's distinct about this, uh, this generation, this cohort? I'll jump in with a trait and then Jonah can obviously join in as well. One thing I think we need to get ready for is a generation that's extremely competitive. So this is a generation that didn't receive participation awards. They weren't told that just put in your hardest effort and that's all that matters and we could all be winners. They were really told that there's winners, there's losers. It's a tough world out there. And that on top of, you know, really experiencing the recession in a tough economy, put them in this competitive, almost survival type of mode. And so what's different is we're used to a lot of millennials that came during much better times, a little bit more optimistic millennials. They were definitely way more collaborative. So they were told patient matters. We all pitch in together, great teamwork. And I think the workplace isn't ready for this onslaught of competitiveness that is not as focused on collaboration. And it's really going to rattle for sure culture, but definitely those millennial managers who will be on the front lines with Gen Z. It's a much more uh, dog eat dog uh, generation, if anything. For sure. 
we've been hearing too things like, you know, more of an entrepreneurial spirit, the Gen Z, but also where that can be kind of a, a much more independent person in business rather than necessarily someone looking to do a lot of teamwork or be part of a team. It's a little more uh, independent. I think one thing on the entrepreneur side of things would be the idea of something called the side hustle where, you know, it used to be really you either went to go work for a company or you tried starting your own and that was how you would do it. Now, one of the reasons Gen Z is very entrepreneurial is because well, actually two things. One, the the ability to start your own company has become very easy. If I wanted to start my own business, I could do so in the next few hours by building my own website, etc. And then the idea of a side hustle, meaning I can go work at a company nine to five and on the side have my own business that I run. And then hopefully one day, maybe that can become my full-time job. But yes, because of those things, Gen Z is indeed very entrepreneurial. And that side hustle point also, when you come to talking about things like growing up with the recession in the back of your mind, it's uh, another form of job security. To you, you can't count on one employer now. It seems it's there's there's an awareness now with this generation that they they need to have a few irons in the fire. Absolutely, and I, I mean I don't think the idea of a side hustle is new per se. I just think it's become more the norm. You know, we used to do it, at least growing up, and we call them moonlighting. You just did a little work on the side. We weren't necessarily proud of it, but we needed funds. You made it work. But now what we have, it's a generation that sees it as very normal to go to their job and while at their job and not even hide it, have this full-blown side hustle going on. <laughs> even doing it while at their other job. Absolutely. And I would say, why not? You know, we, we cover the business events and conventions, meetings, but also networking, training, all those. What should be the priorities of people that are organizing these kinds of events when they're trying to appeal to this audience? What are they going to be looking for in the events they go to? And how should planners be speaking to that? And I'll start off by saying, you know, the ones who got hit, I would think, the earliest with this would be associations because so much of an association's value proposition has been around physical gatherings. And over time, they try to prove their value by providing other resources, but it really is that annual or semi-annual meeting that's hosted. And that idea, obviously, in the association providing resources is definitely still of value, but with the you know, introduction of Gen Z, it's changing because where and how they gather, they have a completely different definition. So one of the key traits we identified in our book, um, and we've trademarked, is this notion of fidgetal. And what fidgetal is, is where the rest of us have struggled to figure out or blur the lines between physical and digital. We now have a generation that sees no line at all. So I'll let Jonah take it from here, but here's a generation now that's living in the digital world. So how and why they gather really is different. Gen Z's use of technology is drastic. Use and perception of technology is just drastically different than every generation that came before us on the premise of each generation before Gen Z, including millennials, Xers, boomers, traditionalists, would all, would all be classified as digital pioneers as they pioneered for the advancement of technology. And Gen Z is really the first digital native generation. We're native to a world with smart technology and our, our expectations and standards for technology are immensely high. It's no longer about just having it. Smart leaders need to show us how they are using technology better than the rest. Why is it making my job more effective, more efficient? What, what is it doing to better my day-to-day -day job? And because we've never had to learn to accept technology. We simply expect technology to be there to do anything. And so I would say that if your, your effort is to engage Gen Z 
the Gen Z audience, whether it be for an event or by any means, I would say you have to do one of two things. One, it has to be enticing. Our attention span is, is very short, so you have to engage us on a very short notice. And then I would say the way you can do that is by tapping into Gen Z's fear of missing out by making it appear that you have to interact with us right then. I think it's important to point out, though, they maybe have a short attention span. And Jonah touched on this, but it's really, we can't assume that they all have ADD. They're learning. They're just learning differently. And what they really have, as Jonah touched on, is a quicker processing time. So, for example, millennials, their attention span was approximately 12 seconds. And now data shows that Gen Z's is eight seconds. And what that's telling us is Gen Z is processing a speed of 25% quicker than we've had just because they're used to it. So as Jonah said, you just got to keep it coming at them, but it's not a matter that they're not paying attention. It's just that they're processing a lot faster. Creating an itinerary and agenda for the day, maybe your typical 45 minute lecture session, that's not going to really cut it. No, I think that could cut it, but make sure that 45 lecture section you know, keeps it moving, keeps it interesting. I mean, we don't have to have, we can still cover a lot of content, but maybe not talk at somebody. When Jonah and I are doing our keynotes, um, and this is a global phenomenon we found, is that now people really want to have an, uh, the opportunity to participate. So moderated Q&As, where we put out a theory, and then we let the audience ask the questions and drive it and really dig deeper with us. We find that is really a what a lot of audiences are liking because we put out the theory and then it's almost like choose your own adventure. They're helping us decide how we go deep. Really making it interactive. So they feel that they have an investment in this. It's not just sitting back and passively listening. Right now, I mean, you talked about this digital generation and quick attention spans, but there's a couple of other things I think we need to be careful of. We've got to be careful that we don't assume that every time a Gen Zer pulls out their cell phone, that they're not listening to the person talking. I think that we've got to be careful because oftentimes they're using their phone as a tool. They're using their phone maybe to take notes. Maybe they're looking at what's going on at another session. Maybe they're posting comments. Maybe they're reading other people's comments is that I think we've just got to be careful to not assume that they're not paying attention or always distracted when, in fact, I often say don't always tell them to put their phones away. It's a viable tool for them. I think that the perception of the distraction, of phones only being a distraction, will hurt not only the productivity of Gen Z, but, there were, but people engaging with my generation. Because as my dad said, our, our phone is viewed no different than a computer, and we see them as such tools that I think that not only should you not shy away from them, tap into them as more so than a distraction and use them as a tools. There's really opportunities by leveraging that. And I could imagine just something like posting about something on social media. If you maybe you're enjoying the talk and you want to say, oh, this is a really interesting quote, that's going to be really of value to the person planning that event that you're spreading the word about this. And if they see the phone is some sort of uh, enemy that's right. going to actually and hurt And them. I think that's some, from the event standpoint, I think a lot of people are now smart. I mean, most conferences, you know, events you go to realize this. It's not necessarily groundbreaking, but I think just more so like not only not seem as a distraction, but find a way to make it fun and entertaining. Is there like an Easter egg hunter, limited opportunities through the in-conference app, whatever it may be, I think that the phone offers a lot more than a distraction. The point you were making too earlier about the, the fidgetal, this idea of, you know, the, the seamlessness between the in-person and the, the digital, 
How important is in-person for somebody who's looking to advance their individual career or to build business connections? Is, is in-person necessary? Is it one component of a larger effort to kind of build this, this business uh, network? First of all, there's an issue with what is in-person. If you and I, who are talking on this podcast, computer to computer, suddenly flick the video switch, and we're all three looking at each other, um, Jonah would tell you that's person to person. So I think there's almost a bigger issue here with around digital. Again, we're blurring the lines between physical and digital. They see no line at all. So we're seeing smart meeting planners incorporate the ability to watch if you can't be there, and maybe for a fee. Um, we're seeing what I think is very smart, especially for associations, is yeah, you have the annual event, but they've got many events happening online throughout the year where we can still get in touch with each other and still network and communicate. I just think that you know, too often the meeting planning world and the association world is too bogged down with either it's in person or we don't touch it. I think they're threatened by digital and I think a lot of people should embrace it as an extension, and in some cases for some associations, I think it's going to be a matter of viability even. Now, all of that said, is there value in face-to-face? Of course. We see it all the time. For example, one of our clients is an accounting firm, and they yes, they allow associates to Skype into a meeting, but what these associates are learning is, yeah, we had a great meeting, and they were face-to-face via the computer, but when that computer turned off and everyone was still around the table talking about future projects, maybe even a social event that was happening, they were missing out on those conversations that were equally as important with their career trajectory. So yes, face-to-face is key and important, always will be. But in the digital world, that's going to have a much looser definition than I think a lot of meeting planners and for sure associations have. Anything else you think should be mentioned or, or points to, to keep in mind for these planners that maybe go, I don't know how to appeal to this, uh, you know, these, these early 20s, 20-somethings? Or- I'll let Jonah answer, but I think the smartest thing that meeting planners could be doing to really get audiences aware of these generational issues and for sure be getting Gen Z on board and running is to bring in really savvy Gen Z speakers who could put the topic on the table. And so that's my shameless sales pitch. I would just say that, you know, oftentimes people get, go to the place of, you know, deciding right away whether they like the generation, they like new ideas or not, when in reality, each generation actually brings new ideas, new concepts to every stage of life. And I think that people should be open-minded and excited for what Gen Z has in store. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks so much, David and Joan. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks again to American Airlines for sponsoring this important episode on diversity and inclusion. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.